Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Delighted to have you with us on a Thursday. Baseball playoffs, spectacular last night. NFL weekend kicks off tonight, and Hembo is back to defend himself against the most serious of allegations. All that and more. Let's do it. Here we go! go, go. Only one place to start. Right, the one place we'll start this morning will be with a little football because Damian Woody is good enough to hang out after we wrap up. Get up. We just concluded our smashing helmet segment but i want to start with something we had done right before that for those who don't see the tv show we do a feature called um big man tiny helmets where d wood smashes the little tiny helmets of these teams that are going to lose and we went through three games there but right before that we did the jets and eagles and i want to start with that game this weekend d wood i said it on tv this morning jets have never beaten the eagles by the way in 12 yeah. meetings historically Hembo and I might have to create some sort of wager, although I need stakes. Um, or or not, not stakes. I need, uh, what's the, I need like points. I need something. I need a break is what I need, <laughs> D-Wood. Like you were with me the night it started. The, yep. A-Rod, the, the Aaron Rodgers thing was the most disheartening experience that I, I've ever had, that I could ever even have imagined. And then here we are like five weeks later, they kind of, digging themselves out of this hole, trying to figure it out, trying to get better, looking like there's at least some light at the end of the tunnel, and then boom, our best offensive lineman is out for the season with the same injury, a torn Achilles. It really is like a dark cloud is just hovering over us. D. Wood, what can we say about this? Yeah, listen, Greeny, it hurts me because I hate to see, especially as a former office lineman who – had the same injury, it sucks. And it happened the second year in a row for Elijah Vera Tucker. Last year, he had a torn pack out for the season. Then this year, torn Achilles. So, unfortunately, that's a big blow for the for this Jets offensive line who, you know, actually kind of start finding their way off, you know, up front. Um, going up against this Eagles defense, particularly that front, man, they got a bunch of dogs that can hunt up there. But I think the most important thing, they got to be – aggressive play calling as it relates to Zach Wilson. We talked about it on Get Up this morning. Throwing on early downs. Green, that's the best time to throw the football is on early downs. Yeah. What they did in that Kansas City game, to me, that's the blueprint. You got a guy in Zach Wilson, I think he wants to sling the ball all over the field. If I'm going to go down swinging, I'm going to go down swinging aggressively. I don't think that whole – you know, run, run, pass stuff, that's not going to work against the Philadelphia Eagles. No, I agree completely. And this is not a game that you're going to win 17-13. to 13. Like, the Eagles' offense is just too good for that. So if you're trying to, if you're thinking to yourself, we're going to play this uber-conservative style and try and win the game in a very low-scoring way, the way they tried against New England, and it didn't work for them, you're not doing it against Philadelphia. They're just much too good for that. So I agree. Let him throw two picks. If he throws three touchdowns, you know, if, if he can get out, because the kid can fling it, you almost have to let him be 
Josh Allen's mini-me, for lack of a better word, right? right? Josh Allen is 6'4", 230, runs around, makes crazy plays, and every once in a while does the thing that you want to pull your hair out. That's, I think, what Zach will He's got to be the 5'11", 190 version of that. Throw, run around, throw the ball all over the place, make some plays that make your jaw drop, and yes, make some huge mistakes. But in the end, be more good than bad and let your defense try and win it that way. Yeah, I think you got to take advantage of some of this uh, qualities that he, some good qualities that he's had. He's an athletic guy. Move him around. Don't have him sitting static in the pocket, especially against Philadelphia with all those guys coming in. You're asking for a nightmare. So, listen, go down swinging. If it looks bad at times, then so be it. But at least you go out on your terms. Yeah, and then they have a bye after this, and they can start trying to put together whatever they want the next part of their season when the schedule eases up at least a little to look like Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Meanwhile, Hembo is back. I need you to explain something to me. While you were away, I actually texted you about this, and when you woke up in Las Vegas yesterday, you wrote me back. Um, And that is that right this minute, the FPI, the analytics department at ESPN, which you represent, Hembo, ranks the Cowboys as the fifth best team in the NFL, and the Eagles, I believe, seventh or eighth, something like that. They, they rank the Cowboys ahead of the Eagles, despite the fact that the Cowboys have two losses, the Eagles have none. The Cowboys have looked just awful in at least one of their, let's call it one and a half of their games. The Eagles have not. How does one explain that? The, because the, the process by which those numbers come to be are based on unemotional factors like how much you beat teams by. And they don't overreact to things like how bad a team looked in a certain week because it's a computer, it's a model. It doesn't have any emotion attached to stuff. Even though the Cowboys are 3-2, and two, the Cowboys have outscored their opponent by 51 points this season. The Eagles are 5-0. and oh. The Eagles have, uh, have outscored their opponent by 37 points this season. So that's what the modeling is doing. It's taking into account like the whole body of work. It is not um, taking too much. It's not taking more than one game's worth of data from one game, as we did when the Cowboys played San Francisco. It's looking at the entire body of work. Now, I happen to disagree with our modeling, but to try and explain it, that's what it is. It's saying over a five-game span, every single snap that was played, the Cowboys when, when, you know, come out in the wash looking a little bit better than the Eagles when you consider all of those factors, not just wins and losses. Yeah, listen, I, we know that numbers are a part of it. It's not the whole, whole piece of the pie. I will say once that that a lot of people use to kind of judge a team is point differential. Mm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that in this model, point differential, you know, factors heavily in this whole thing. Now, do I think the Dallas Cowboys are better than Philly? No, but when you have those type of blowout, blowout wins that the Dallas Cowboys have in that cap, I'm sure that factors into why they have them ranked so high. So that is... Because I defend analytics a lot. But there's a lot of people who have sort of a, for lack of a better word, a Neanderthal perspective and just want to dismiss them. But the one area where analytics cannot account is the circumstances of each game. Right. So the Giants are truly atrocious. So playing them that first week when you've had all this time, the, the, the Cowboys blowing them out, of course, it's an impressive performance, but it is... I don't think there was nearly as much good about that as there was bad in the San Francisco game. Next, they play the Jets. The Jets are six days removed at that point from the most deflating loss you could ever possibly have, which is the loss of Aaron Rodgers. On a short week. And the craziest emotional win you could ever have where the way they won that game with their fallen teammate in the locker room, with the punt return at the very end, then on a short week going across the country, 
The Jets would have lost to anyone that day. You could take the worst team in the NFL. They would have beaten the Jets that day. That's not a criticism. That's just the way these things line up. The blowout win over New England. Frankly, New Orleans beat New England more decisively than the Cowboys did. So what I'm saying is, I get that the numbers are the numbers. And over the course of a, of a 16 or 17 game span, maybe they will wind up telling the whole story. But in this case, I think those nuances, I don't know if you call them emotional or not, but I think they actually make a difference. Yeah, it's a fair point. But I think sometimes, something that we do, and probably incorrectly, is we think there is a larger difference between teams in the NFL than there actually are. So what FPI does, it, it effectively says how much better or worse uh, you are than uh, you know, other teams on a neutral field. That's kind of how they judge it. So right now we have the Bills at one. The Bills are, their, their FPI score is 9.7. They're 9.7 points better than the average NFL team on a neutral field. The worst team is the Carolina. They're minus seven. So what that modeling is telling us is that there's a 17-point difference between the best and worst team. In college, that differential is 47 points, the difference right. between Ohio State and Florida International. The reason why very few teams in the NFL are 5-0, and there are two teams, is because these teams are actually a lot more concentrated from a talent perspective than we think, and we overreact to things on a week-to-week basis. So the difference between the best and worst team in the NFL is about 17 points. In college, it's nearly three times that. So, but to that point, like, how is San Francisco not the best? Like, who could possibly analyze anything that has happened so far and say the 49ers aren't the best team, right, D-Wood? Yeah, again, that's why you take... There's like components. You got to, you know, I look at this whole picture. It's like a pie. You have the numbers. Mm-hmm. You have what the tape says. And then you combine the two and then you come up with what you, what you think is the, the, the correct call here. And I think anyone who watches the 49ers, you, com- you know, crunch the numbers as well. I think most people would honestly say the 49ers are the best team in football right now. Well, I think, you know, where the numbers, I think what Himbo you're saying is like, don't be quick to just trounce the Cowboys because of their bad loss against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're still a very good team. Sometimes I think styles make fights. Probably a bad matchup for the San Francisco 49ers. That said, Damian Woody in studio with us here on Greeny on ESPN Radio, you picked the Chargers to beat them Monday night. If that happens, now what do we say Tuesday? Well, listen, I, I, listen, I don't think the whole world comes crashing down on the Cowboys because I think that the Chargers are a good team. Um I think what could happen in a lot of times in these situations, psychologically, can they rebound from that drubbing against the 49ers? What, t- what tends to happen sometimes is there's carryover. You get beat so bad. And the conversations in the media and everything, and you just continue to talk about that, that game last week when you're not all the way focused on the opponent that you have this week. So that's why I'm so interested in seeing how the Cowboys respond playing against this, this Los Angeles Chargers team. Green, have you seen that number, by the way? I am guessing the Cowboys – look, that, that's, a, that's a Cowboys home game. D- don't let the fact that they're playing <laughs> oh, in absolutely. Los Angeles. absolutely. It's going to be a home game. The game is in Los Angeles, but the Cowboys should be considered the home team. I, they're not sleeping in their own beds, but they'll certainly have twice the number of fans in the building that the Chargers do at least. Um, I'm going to guess that the Cowboys are – Favored by like two points. Yeah, it's two and a half. Two and a half. Are you surprised, D. Wood, that, that, that the Cowboys are a road favorite <laughs> in that game? I'm not surprised because I do think the Cowboys are still a good team. Uh-huh. Um, and people, I think people know that, listen, the Cowboys travel well. It's going to be a home game for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So when I see two and a half, it's basically telling me that they're almost like evenly matched, Fair. to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And by the way, I had the stat in here yesterday. Uh, Cam or Bubba, jump on and remind me the exact numbers. 
But it was interesting to me. Through five weeks of the season, home field has actually been a disadvantage in the NFL. Road teams are above 500. It's like by a differential of four, it's like 43 40, to 39. 41 and 37. Away 41 teams and are. 37. That goes back to what Himbo was saying. Road like, teams. That goes back to him. There's The difference between the best and worst team in NFL is not that large. But to well, that point, you would think home field would make a difference. <clears throat> if something needs to split the difference, yeah. that home field would. Why is it not? When you played in the NFL, how would you describe how much more difficult it was to win on the road versus winning at home? Um, winning on the road is, uh, is, is definitely harder. There's no question. I always, I always said it's how, how you start a game kind of dictates you know, what could possibly happen in the game. That was the biggest thing. We all, every time we play on the road, guys, we need to start fast. We can't let the crowd into the game. We got to start fast. That's and I think a lot of the times teams that were on the road, they don't start slow. Usually they start kind of fast and then they pick up momentum that way. How, how, give me a sense. Uh, well, first of all, what was the loudest place you played? Forgetting home game. What's the loudest place to play? Um, it's close. I think it's between Arrowhead and Seattle. Okay, both of those places feel like college environments. So, give me how much harder it really is to get plays called. You're at the line of scrimmage. Like, what can't you do? What? What? You're an offensive lineman. What what does it what does it do? Oh uh, man, it, it, you know, not only can you not hear the plays, but it's when you get to the line of scrimmage. Greeny, imagine us. Like, you know, my first year, my rookie year, we played in Arrowhead. We had Derek Thomas that was lined up, and the place was registered as an earthquake. It was literally that loud. And so you got Derek Thomas screaming off the edge, and you can't hear the snap count. You're literally watching the ball. It is unbelievably hard to do your job when you're at that type of disadvantage. So what you're saying is the advantage is usually that you know when the ball is going to be snapped and the defense doesn't. In that case, it's you're neutralized. both finding it out at the same time. We're both finding it out at the same time, and you're just holding on to your horses at that point. Advantage. Uh, in that case, certainly, Derek Thomas, you're yep. the best, e Thank yep. you, big fella. Yep. I'm going to need some consoling, I have a feeling, this weekend. <laughs> hey, you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Coming up next with the return of Hembo, we will find out if he is prepared to defend himself against the most serious allegations. That's next on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. So let me just catch everybody up on where we've been. We have Bubba here today with Cam here today. They're both in Bristol as usual. And the hashtag crew is once again intact after Hembo had been away each of the last two days. The supposition, and I shouldn't say that, the reason given by Hembo, he came into my office Monday after the show and had sort of a sputtering, not very fluid explanation. One of the kids is sick, not 100% sure which one, might be RSV, might not be here tomorrow. We'll let you know. That's that. Does that sort of summarize the conversation? Have you seemed flustered? That was 100% accurate, what you just described. Correct. And, and, and including the way you delivered that news. It, it, it suggested to me a person who wasn't real certain of what he was saying. And I'll bring everyone's attention back to last Friday when it was revealed that Hembo's wife, Lizzie, who is in Las Vegas uh, helping out with our coverage of the WNBA Finals, texted him to say, uh-oh, I forgot to bring my wedding ring. Not bringing your wedding ring to Las Vegas is the universal sign for I'm looking to have some fun this weekend in Vegas. What happens in Vegas this weekend will most definitely stay there. So we were all worried about Hembo in this regard. And then all of a sudden, Hembo, you were nowhere to be found. So Tuesday, we lived with it. Okay, maybe he really does have a sick child. It's not Michelle. It's the alleged other one. But then Wednesday, you didn't come. You didn't tell Bubba or Cam you weren't going to be here. And in fact, when I texted you a question about something, you responded at like nine something in the morning Eastern time. You were a man who usually is awake at four something in the morning Eastern time. But you know what that is? That's about the time you might wake up in Las Vegas. So we believe that what you actually did these last couple of days was race to Vegas with your wife's wedding ring in order to try and fight for your beloved, which I respect, but that has been the topic of conversation around here. What do you have to say for yourself? Look, I'm, I'm not here to talk about the past, okay? <laughs> all, all I'll say is this. Uh-huh. What I'll say is this. Yeah. All right, as, as an employee of the Walt Disney Company, yes. I, I am allotted a certain number of, of care days, sick days, that I am permitted to take. Right. At my discretion. Right. I don't have to provide a doctor's note. I don't need to provide visual evidence of Charlotte's cough or Michelle's rash or any such thing. I can take them at my discretion. Who are the people you just described? Charlotte and Michelle. So one of the things that came up here is, I don't, I'm not sure anyone has ever seen both of them at the same time. Hmm. And some of us are questioning whether there really are two or it's just one in a mirror. Because the pictures that we see are so alike of the two of them. And I don't ever really seem to notice them having different poses hmm. in the pictures. 
So I, I, I question whether or not there really are two of these. So not only do you question whether or not I, I, I feigned a, 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 an illness for my beloved children, right. but you're also now calling into question that for the last 13 months I've created an elaborate ruse right. that I have to just just well, because. why does the second one not have a name? How is it? Po- how could you have a kid this long and have named one of them and not the other? Well, here's the thing: like she is named, Charlotte is named. You refuse to acknowledge her because she's not named after you. I don't refuse anything. I- I've never once heard you say her name before. Never once, Bubba and Cam. Have you ever once heard her name? If I said to you, "What is the name of Hembo's alleged second child?" What would you say it was? I would say I didn't know there was a second child. Me neither. I, well, I'm, it's not confirmed. Right. I've heard reference to a second child. But it's kind of like, what is that thing, the Yeti? Like, it's that thing that you hear about, people talk about it, but no one has ever actually seen it. What is right. that called? The Abominable Snowman? The Loch Ness Monster? Big Big Foot. Foot. Loch Ness Monster? Although they just spotted Actually, Big, Big Foot yeah, the other day. They had video of it in Colorado just yeah. yesterday. But. Look, I mean, if you guys want to sit here and say, like, it is a, a bizarre coincidence that I happen to take two days off during the postseason in which the Phillies are playing – during the time in which my wife is in Las Vegas without her wedding ring, uh, gallivanting around with Ryan Rucco and the rest of the WNBA crew, then, then you can jump to your own conclusions. What I'm saying is that the company does not, prov- uh, does not require me to provide any evidence of my whereabouts, and no, so I will not. They may not, but I do. Hmm. A- as a member of the hashtag crew, I think we are owed that. I will also point out, by the way, Baba, that after we finished yesterday's show, Ryan Rucco texted me a picture of Lizzie's ringless hand. He actually texted me that. Again, Lizzie is the, the production coordinator. What's, what's the actual uh, Production title? manager. Production manager mm-hmm. for the WNBA coverage. Right. So she's in Vegas, and Ryan Rucco, of course, is the announcer. Sure. And so they're together. Board they're listening guy. to this conversation. I'm sure she's starting to break out in a sweat because mm. she's been found out. Right. This has been discovered. And, again, that we, fi- we finally broke down this elaborate second child ruse you've been carrying on. And in the meantime, so Ruko texts me a picture of her ringless left hand. That's all that was in the photo? That's all that's in the picture. That's all that's here. I'll, re- uh, I'll read you the text. Try to describe that, this because this is the first I'm hearing of this. Uh, th- she, she, he sends me a picture and he writes, Lizzie without her wedding ring. And then he wrote, I just put two and two together that Lizzie is Hembo's wife. Uh-oh. He, I guess, didn't realize this until just now. Do we know if Why? Ruko- because he's been working with her for how long and she has never once mentioned being married? Yikes. I mean... Hembo, this is as plain as the nose on your face. There are red flags. This is waving. as plain as the nose on my face was before I had it fixed. That's how plain this is. Do we know if Ruko is single, by the way? Um, I actually don't know that. Should Does I anyone? be worried about Ruko? I'm yes. Pretty confident. Do we he's know married. if Jimmy G is single? Is the question because yeah. they won on Monday Night Football. She's very on Monday, fond of his, and she was in Vegas when they won the game. That's true. They played at home this week. So Monday night, she was in Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo was in Vegas. Tuesday morning, Hembo's nowhere to be found. You know I mean, what? You know what, though? Interesting. Like, every woman has a cheat list. And if Jimmy Garoppolo... Look, Jimmy Garoppolo is on Lizzie's, as he is on practically everyone's. Do you have a cheat list? All kidding aside, that's something I've heard about. I've seen it on television shows. All kidding aside, could you get away with that? I'm asking every married man in the world who is listening to this conversation right now. My wife is aware of the women I find very attractive. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I'm, I have eyes. Charlie Theron, I think, is a stunningly beautiful woman, something like that. If I came home one day and said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but Charlie Theron just offered to have sex with me, <laughs> are we good with that? I'm telling you right now, she's not going to be good with it. I know there was a Friends episode where Ross had his thing laminated, uh, his list <laughs> is what I meant to say there, but, but, and, and, but, but I'm telling you right now. That would make it very difficult. <laughs> that's not going to be okay. 
not going to be okay. Is there, so there's no one no. for which it would be okay? Hell no. So I'm trying to imagine right now a scenario in which Lizzie, when I, when I go, because she just flew back this morning on the red eye, if she tells me about, like, Ruko is definitely not on this list. And, like, okay. and that's what, that would upset me. <laughs> Can you imagine having a cheat list and having Ryan Ruko Ryan Ruko's on third on my cheat list. <laughs> and I uh, love Ryan, don't get me wrong. He's a handsome man. But not, but not top five. He's not Jimmy Garoppolo. You're wasting a spot on that list. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? If you are going to have a list... Then having a realistic list is also like someone you're likely to encounter. Like she's gonna she's gonna run into Ryan Rucco. She she in fact works with she may Quite never often, run into like. Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I mean she's she's an ESPN employee. She's out in Vegas for work. He lives in Las Vegas. They just played, so we know he's there. Like she's made her her fondness of him well known as and I've made that. Who else is on this list for for her? Yeah. What is this guy? I'm not, I'm not good with celebrities. There's, so, there's one other guy that she really likes that's on some show that she watches. Yeah, that's narrowing it down. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm Helpful. Sorry. Oh, I know for sure that Garoppolo is at the very top of it, though. Do you I, have a list? For sure. Yeah, but I don't want to say this now because of all the stuff, the hot water that I'm in. Like, I don't feel like right now is a great Why time. Why are you in hot water? Your wife left for Vegas without her wedding ring and has probably, and very likely, been spending some time with Jimmy Garoppolo. She hasn't texted me back since she arrived, and I think it might be because our dog vomited last night in the bed and I didn't clean it up. <laughs> like, it's, there's vomit. <laughs> On our master bed sheets. She's and on I a just left, left the, the house. She's morning. on a flight back to Vegas now. She's like, I've had enough of this. I'm going back to hang out with Jimmy. Okay. Anyway, so uh, I, I'd like to say, for the record, you did not explain anything here. So I'm going to ask you now to explain the stuff that you actually know about. Ground ball towards third. Backhanded ball. Slings to first. In time ball game. And the Phillies have taken a 2-1 lead in this NLDS. That was the message before the game. Finish the job. Don't let them climb back into games. And that's what we did. You know, last night was unbelievable. I watched every pitch, actually, of Phillies Braves last night. And the show that they put on in Philadelphia last night, the star of the, of the, of the show is the ballpark. That's the star of the Philadelphia Philly show. I know Bryce Harper hit two home runs and stared down Arcia as he circled the bases both times, and I loved it. I know Castellano has, uh, Castellanos hit two home runs. I know they're one win away from eliminating the Braves for the second consecutive year. The star of that show is that freaking ballpark. It's like watching Auburn play Alabama. It's unbelievable. There's never been a home field advantage in baseball that I've seen like that. It's the best environment in sports right now, in any sport right now. The, uh, baseball is not a sport that lends itself to these kinds of things happening. But having watched so many games across the postseason in so many different stadiums, this is the only thing like it. Like the Braves are the Braves have been the best practically the best team in baseball this year and last. And in no situation have they come into Citizens Bank Park and had any clue. Yesterday it was 10 to 2. Last year in the playoffs they won by 8 runs and they won by 5 runs in the two games that they played there. Like the the Philly the Philly fans and the environment there at Citizens Bank Park is having like a a, a, a tangible impact on the outcome of baseball games. And watching the best team in baseball just absolutely melt is unbelievable. So, I need to ask a question. We can joke all we want about marital infidelity. <laughs> And we will. <laughs> now let's talk about something important. <laughs> and that is this. Cam and Bubba, I think you're going to appreciate this. I've known Hembo for a decade. And we both know that Hembo has the soul of a 70-year-old man. You love the Phillies more than you love anything else. Hembo was a sports... The reason Hembo and I get along so well, the reason Hembo and I have write, written a book and are doing two more together, is because we care about the same stuff in the same ways. But we have very different ways that we view it. I am super emotional, super emotional, and I love all the emotion. I'm here for all the emotion. 
Hembo is a is has one hundred percent always stood for the unwritten rules of baseball. You have are against bat flips. You were against pick, uh, pimping home runs. You were against any kind of emotion on the field of play. And so, as I'm watching last night, Bryce Harper circling the bases. The second home run I didn't know was out off mm. the bat. Did you? I mean, that, that did not look like a home run off the bat. Yeah, the I, first I, one was a freaking no doubter. Second deck. Second deck. Th- that, that that ball he hit. It still hasn't come down. When he circles that second base bag and is staring at Arcia just directly in the face, the first thought I had was, is Hembo going to say he shouldn't do that? No, I, I can't go there. And I definitely would go there if, if it were anyone else. But given the context of the circumstance, given the fact that we learned uh, after the fact that, that Arcia said, at a boy Harper, after the base running blunder to, aim, uh, to end game two, and for him to hit two dingers there and a, to... to, to Cross second base and stare him down both times was just stone cold. Like I, I didn't have a problem with it. It, it was fabulous. It was Say fabulous. It was fabulous. Well, well, first of all, what do you mean if it was anyone else? That's ridiculous. Be- because no, it's ridiculous. I mean, I root for this team, and okay, this is like the face so of the that, franchise. So it's only okay if your team does it, but if anyone else does it, bad. Well, see, but Bubba, I, I don't. What I don't like is like the overt like showmanship, right? Like the like the the staring the, the staring down the home run and pimping it and, and flipping the bat and, and, and staring down the other dugout. Like to me, like the overt stuff is what bothers me. But when you're crossing second base and you stare at somebody for three seconds as you're like that was that like, was the, as overt as overt no. could be. Yeah. He made a point of doing it and he acknowledged it afterward. He said, "You're damn right, I was staring." Sure, at him. but I didn't view it as disrespectful because he was reciprocating the fact that he said what he said. You know, that, that's the if thing. If it was a he brave player, laugh. you would have thought it was the most disrespectful thing of all time. Of course it would have rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm a fan. I'm, like, there are some times, Bubba, where like, you just can't help but be emotionally wrapped up into stuff. And this was one of the rare cases where I was, and I was cool with it. The point that, we are, that you are missing, that we are making, is that it is wonderful. Exactly. It is it's the, the best. stuff that makes sports great. I want my team to win so badly. My guy wants to win. You said something about me. I'm staring you down. It's great. Attaboy, Harper is nothing that's nothing yeah, I'm, I'm glad field, you like it you should like it more I'm glad you were Me too. I, I had no problem with it, it was awesome I love when they throw the bat down and go crazy like it I'm glad you liked it now I wish you would like it a lot more other times that's correct it is it is the stuff that makes sports great it is the legitimate true rivalry I don't want to see them throwing punches but I do want to see the trash talk I do want to see you don't have to throw at someone for saying attaboy Harper you mm-hmm. know what hit a freaking home run and then stare him down as you run by him and say attaboy how'd you like that one RC I'm mean, hit another one for you how do you like that attaboy that's good stuff that's sports and that's what baseball has been um missing has been has been holding at arm's length forever and you are the leader of that movement and we are here to tell you once and for all <laughs> that it is wrong i'm here to acknowledge that like i liked this i thought this was definitely in bounds and i've also come like you have helped me come some way in approaching this place where like i can deal with this kind of showmanship so long as the players decide that this is like the players get to police themselves is always what i felt this to me was in line what I did not understand, what I did not like, was the fact that after the game, Braves players were, were, were in the locker room acting as if the media did something wrong by leaking this, as if, as if there was some like, security breach. That was embarrassing. The Braves, after the game, were talking as if they had just lost the series. All right, so let me play that. This is <coughs> Travis Darno, who, um, after the game yesterday, said he was unhappy with the media 
because Orlando Arcia mocking Bryce Harper became a thing, and he thinks that was the media's fault. Orlando's a great person. I mean, he was he was joking around, but it screws all the other reporters and everybody who, who comes in here and has been great with us all year, and we feel like this is a sanctuary where we come to work every day and, and try to have fun, and when things get out, which I'm sure other teams say things as well, it, it's not a good feeling, and it makes nobody wants to be in the clubhouse for, for all the people that are good people. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of stupid things in my day, but I'm not sure how much more ridiculous a thing you can say than that. You know, it's really awful that the media informed the public of something that happened in full view of everyone. Let me, if you were to look up the dictionary definition of the media, it is telling the people what happened. That's their job. Plus, he said it literally in front of everyone. He did, this didn't get out. This wasn't like a surreptitiously reported. The whole world saw it and heard it. I don't even understand what he's talking about. I, so I need you to help me here because my, my initial reaction is the same as yours. But unlike you, I've not spent time as a reporter in the clubhouse as you have. Yeah. So, so, so give me a peek behind the curtain here. So okay. let's say you're, you're a reporter in this case. You're, you're in the Braves locker room, but... Uh, the, the, the clubhouse, but like the access that you have is that you're not. You know, this is not the scrum. This is not the cameras. This is not the the recorders. Because this was reported. This wasn't in, in an interview, right? So, is there some kind of obligation that you can't say? Was this off the considered off the record? Help, help me out here. With Hell this. no. Well, if they said this is off the record, that would be different. But uh-huh. clearly, that's not what happened. No, every reporter, and I, I will not go any farther than saying this. Every reporter has seen things that they would not report. And my line on that when I was a reporter was always anything that doesn't have anything to do with sports, stuff that I would see when I'm traveling with a team, stuff I'd see in the hotel, people I might see people with, you know what I'm getting at? Mm -hmm. That's not my business to report because it doesn't have anything to do with the team. It doesn't have anything to do with the wins and the losses. Stuff that happens that this is directly reportable. This is, you would be derelict in your duty if you didn't say that. This was the reaction in the Braves clubhouse after Bryce Harper made this huge mistake. That's why you're there. You're there to report what they say. So unless they all got up and said, listen, what's about to happen here is off the record, which you couldn't even, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm laying out a scenario that's not even possible then no, the answer is that no rules were violated at all. That's, that's the only thing I wanted to confirm with you. That there's, no ki- there's no thing where, like, there are certain things in the clubhouse during a certain time in which reporters are there that are somehow, like, off limits. It doesn't sound like that's the case. And so- no, there are places maybe that are off limits. Like, there, there were, I don't know, every clubhouse is not the same. When I covered the teams that I covered, particularly the Cubs at Wrigley Field, and I'll say that because they still have the same ballpark, although I think they've redone the locker rooms since I was there, I haven't covered a Cubs game, actually been down there since 1996 or something. Um, but there was like the, the main locker room and then there were some other rooms, like the weight room and all that kind of stuff. If you kind of walked by and glanced in and saw something in there, I could see them right. saying, hey, man, that's off bounds. Mm-hmm. Like you're not allowed in that room. You shouldn't see that. But anything that happens in the locker room, I mean, during the time that you are granted access, that's the reason you're there. Fair game. Absolutely, hundred okay. percent. Fair enough. Game. All right, let's do a trivia question. Ambo, we have we have done a question the last couple of days, but they don't count in the standings. Okay, your turn. Go. Tough one today, but I think you guys got a shot. Which pitcher has the most postseason wins in series clinching games? Most postseason wins in series clinching games. The answer is next on ESPN Radio. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Don't forget that you can watch us on the ESPN app. Click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny and enjoy. Plus, we're also available on the ESPN app. We're available on Sirius XM Channel 80. We're all over the place. Hembo. Today's trivia. Today's trivia question is this. Which pitcher has the most postseason wins in series-clinching games. So to be clear, it is wins. It doesn't necessarily have to be a starting pitcher. It could be any pitcher who got a win in the game. It does not necessarily... I guess what I want to clarify is that... I'm just going to use Pedro Martinez as an example. If he started the game but didn't get the win, that doesn't count towards the stat, right? Correct. Yes, what you just said is right. It's, it's not just started the game, but it actually is the getting the win in Got the game. Got the win in the game. Okay. This is a very hard question. Very I, hard question, but I think one of you is going to get it. You want to, you want to try and get safety in numbers I, here? I got a guess. Go if ahead. You want to, Let's hear it, Cam. Andy Pettit. All right. I thought of him. That's a good one. Bubba? That was my guess, too. I'm also going with Andy right, two Pettit. Two guesses for Andy Pettit. So do I go with them, and so if we're wrong, we're all wrong, or do I go with the first place I thought of? It just the sport was so different then. Like, there just weren't enough series mm-hmm. for it to be. So I was thinking back to, like, the heyday. I was thinking back to the, to the Bob Gibsons and the Sandy Koufaxes of the world. Um, but if we're going to get much more recent, I'm thinking about guys who had felt like closed out a lot of big games. Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, um, and Pettit came to mind, too. Uh, I don't want to say the same thing as they did, and I don't want to say the older guys because it was just one series at a time. It's just not going to have been enough. So I'm going to go with Kurt Schilling. The correct answer is Andy Pettit. Yeah. Let's go. Damn it. Yes. I should have gone there. Oh, I'm so mad yes. at myself. Um, How close was I? Schilling yes. only had two. Pettit had six. Oh, my goodness. Damn it. Nobody else has more than four. He, w- he closed out the Phillies in 09, right? Who yes, else had did. four? Oh, man. Uh, Catfish Hunter had four. Roger Clemens had four. Charlie Morton and Dave Stewart both had four. Oh, 
damn it. All right, where are we nice with the standings? Guys. Nice job. Where's the standings? Uh, I am five and nine. You and Bubba are four and ten. And Mark Cuban is 0-1. And Thank if you me. want to count two days ago, Dominique's 0-1 too. Okay, fair enough. I think we should keep that in. I think that those should be in there. You can't forget Mark Cuban. Keep he the guests, the game. yeah. All right, here's, here's the next order of business I want to get to on Hembo's baseball green light. So at the beginning of this week, in the entire history of baseball, there had been six instances of teams winning 100 games during the regular season and then getting swept immediately out of the postseason. It had happened six times in 150 years. It's now happened twice in consecutive nights. The Orioles got swept and the Dodgers got swept. It has people talking about the postseason format. Hembo, what do we say? I think that we have attacked this from the wrong angle. It is true that the Braves are on the brink. The Orioles and Dodgers and Rays and Brewers were all swept, and those teams had the five best records in baseball. However, I, I don't like that we default to this. Rather than accepting responsibility or taking the blame, we decide that the system is the problem and that the system needs to change. The format needs to change. I understand the argument. You play 162 baseball games, and the idea that you should be knocked out if you lose three in a row, as, as was the case with, with the Dodgers, does seem silly. But it also seems silly to me that Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts combined for one hit and that Clayton Kershaw got one out. At some point, like the, 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 the game itself is what's sacred and what matters. I think we can have a reasonable conversation as to whether or not Major League Baseball can provide more incentive to win regular season games because it's pretty clear now that they have almost no advantage. But it is not obvious to me that that's the right place for us to, 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 to divert our attention to. I hate to say this. No, I don't. I was right. I said exactly this before the playoffs started. Baseball, for the longest time, was a sacrosanct sport because in order to compete for the championship, you had to have been the best team in your league for 154 or 162 games. There was no room for a fluke. And by expanding the playoffs, by adding all of these teams, that's exactly what you do. It is a marathon. The things that determine winning in the regular season and winning in the postseason are Thoroughly different. You said yourself before the postseason, no sport is more different in the regular year to the playoffs than baseball is. So what you're going to have, exactly as I said to you, is randomness. Just as you have in March Madness, just as you have in anything where you do not give an overwhelming advantage, an, an uns, a practically insurmountable advantage to the teams that are the best during the regular year. Now, I said basketball. Basketball, you win four best of sevens. In my opinion, you've proved it. Does it mean that we won't every now and again get an eight seed in the finals as we did last year with Miami? Obviously not. But that would have felt flukish, but it would be the overwhelming exception to the rule. In this case, to your point, the fault is... The issue is the system, but it's not a fault. Mm. This is just how we're going to determine a champion in baseball. It isn't going to be based on who is the best over the course of the year. But here's my question. Like... When, when a Cinderella advances in the NCAA tournament, we love it and celebrate it. Last year, when the Miami Heat, as the eight seed, advanced to the NBA Finals, it was hashtag Heat Culture, and we celebrated it. Why in baseball do we just naturally run to the negative, to the system is wrong, rather than these teams fail to perform? It's just, like, I feel like baseball is a sport that gets the, the short end of the stick there. We decide that because it's baseball, it's the system. Whereas for anything else, we celebrate the underdog. Why? Well, I mean, part of the reason for that is that we are much more emotionally invested, generally speaking, in baseball than we are in March Madness. 
most people are just interested in who wins these March Madness games because of their sheet. And at the end of the day, you're not morally, it doesn't hurt you to your core if you've been rooting for the Orioles your whole life and they've been the worst team in baseball for the last 25 years and then boom, all of a sudden we have this miracle season. We win 100 games and in three days it's just over Mm -hmm. like that. That bothers you as a fan and I get it. It is a sport where we are not accustomed to the fluke. But you're going to get the fluke. It's just the way it's going to be now. So everyone thinks, well, at least I think, that you were the right person to become the next commissioner. We discussed this. Yeah. You finished runner-up. I have a handful of ideas written down here as to how we could potentially level the playing field so that these teams that play 162 games way better than other teams have a larger advantage. So I do want to go through some of those with you. But in the end... Right now, we have 12 teams that are in. we got six from each league. And now, in back-to-back seasons, we've seen this. Because last year, it was the Dodgers and the Braves getting knocked out early, too. So, like, this is... It could be randomness. It could be chance. But I also think that we could have a in-good-faith argument about how we can further incentivize these teams to be able to go for broke for 162 games so that they can be even further rewarded. That is the beauty of me. I don't just point out the problem. I solve it. So, coming up off the top of the hour... I will tell you an easy way you could address this issue if you choose to. I just don't know if they'll choose to. So we'll have that conversation as we go, plus plenty more football on this day. Stay with us. You're listening to Hashtag Greeny and Company on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.